I am Andy Zaltzman, brother of the celebrity podcaster Helen Zaltzman, uh, and I co-host the Bugle Podcast, which is a weekly topical stroke satirical stroke nonsense broadcast uh, with Mr. John Oliver. That's right, I am John Oliver, and uh, I too participate in said podcast. Yep. But John's based in New York, and I'm based in London, so it's, I mean, it's very much the kind of podcast that could not have, could not have happened more than 500 years ago. <laughs> what, it, it's what? taking the, the kind of limitless potential of a podcast and putting it through the model of radio. So <laughs> it's really <laughs> taking a form which is yet to find an effective way to monetize it and doing it the most expensive possible way. <laughs> the whole point of podcasts is you can kind of do it into your laptop and it doesn't cost anything. And <laughs> we have two studios, two engineers and an editor. It is the most ridiculous way to do it. <laughs> but John, you have your own TV show on HBO, Impending. You've just come off for many years at The Daily Show. What is in it for you doing a podcast when you're Mr. Television? <laughs> that is how I think of you I'm, now. I'm going to have to... Uh, my t- my technical title is Captain Hollywood, Helen, as you well know. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's, well, it's, it's fun and you can, ba- you can do whatever you want. So, you know, it was... It's, it kind of has limitless potential podcasts. That's the most fun thing about it. And it needn't stop. Because if you are fully independent, there is no no one telling you that you should stop. And we have been told to stop in the past yeah. by various broadcasters, the one we're on at the moment, very much included in that. <laughs> it, does, it does give just a complete blank canvas, um, which uh, you know, is one of the great freedoms of the, the medium. And also, it's enabled people to just start their own show and try and build an audience through that rather than having to... Uh, wait to get commissioned to do something as uh, as you would have had to do in the pre-podcast days. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, a lot the of technology is such you can kind of do anything. So you know you'd get a lot of uh, podcasts which are just people interviewing each other, uh, but there is every possibility to do quite intense production on it as well. I know Dana Gould does a podcast which you know really sounds quite spectacular and has a huge amount of work goes into it. So there's really no it's, there, there's no format that you need to stick to in terms of length or style. Does that, ju- you can do whatever you want. The lack of restriction, though, can be quite overwhelming. Sometimes uh, having boundaries can be quite useful creatively. Uh, yes. Um, and, I mean, we must bear in mind that the internet is basically the 21st century's version of shouting at traffic. And, um, <laughs> you know, the, the podcast has clearly... It's opened up opportunities for... Yeah. Uh, you know, people to share, share views that would maybe have been best left internalised. But, um, uh, but the problem yeah. is, statistically, one in a hundred of people shouting at traffic have probably got a point. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's basically the same. It works out statistically about, about the same. How's this different to writing the radio comedy shows that you two collaborated on? Well, I think it's a lot, it's a lot looser and freer. We don't have to you know cram it down to... Um, what was it? Just twenty, twenty-eight minutes and nine seconds, or whatever yeah. it was. You yeah. to try and get get our extra ten seconds to get an extra couple of sound effects in. Um, so you can um, you can, I guess, just give give ideas a lot of space and sort of take them to their 
or beyond their natural conclusion. Um, whereas with radio, I think you always felt you needed to sort of squeeze stuff in, uh, which could sometimes lead to things being a little, little constricted. I think. How much preparation is involved in this incredibly crafted oh. show? <laughs> well, it's a mixture of um, prepared and. I mean, it's, I'd say it's mostly prepared, but I think a lot of the best bits are when we're sort of yeah. reacting off each other's jokes. So we write separately. We discuss what stories we're going to do and then write separately and uh, basically just try and make each other laugh at a range of, I don't know, 3,000 miles or however wide the Atlantic yeah. is these days. I assumed all I the laughter prob- was canned. <laughs> <laughs> We've, we probably each write a third of it and then a third of it is made up off, off the back of what each other says. So it's, it's, it's in terms of our process, it's probably just like coming in the step before the final draft of things that we used to do, which was actually usually when we were having the most fun. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a way you actually get, get to hear the, the collaboration happening, which I think is part of the fun of it. As a topical show, you're having to respond to current events, and sometimes those events are boring or <laughs> difficult <laughs> to write jokes about because they're very serious. Never stopped uh, Hugh Edwards, did it? <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you deal in a week when uh, the news is just uh, not that inspiring? I guess the fact that we're you know we we're, we do it, not every week but sort of probably forty episodes a year means we we do we can cover both serious stories and non-serious stories. So if there's a, a quiet week or there's just a story that's too awful to to address without at least a, a, a bit of a buffer of time, then you know we can have a week where we deal with completely trivial nonsense or. Um, you know, just made up feature sections about things. So, um, so I, I mean, again, that's that's part of the freedom of the podcast is that there are there are no real rules to it. Although we're primarily a, a topical podcast, there's if you're, I guess, a topical show on a radio, and you suddenly did a whole episode about um, the history of uh, aviation, as we may be about to do at some point in the near future. Um, yeah. Then uh, you probably couldn't do that, but the, the podcast has, as, as we said, to that sort of unlimited possibility. Are there subjects but that you won't do jokes about, though? So there are some comedians that relish making jokes about taboos. I, d- I don't think there's subjects we wouldn't do. Um, I mean, broad subjects we wouldn't wouldn't address. But there's obviously ways of treating any difficult subject that that make it yeah. valid. And there's always, you know, there's if it's a I mean, you can have a very unpleasant story that has a political angle that is valid for satirisation. The, the point of having the freedom that a podcast provides is that, you know, you really... It's your responsibility to make that freedom a virtue and not a curse. There are ample opportunities to be lazy when you're doing a podcast, as the internet will show. <laughs> but, you know, really you want to try and increase the degree of difficulty in which you're doing because that's you have the freedom to do that. So... No, Syria is not an objectively funny situation, and yet it is something that is worth making jokes about because there are ludicrous parts of how hopeless it is. So really, there is just a premium when you're doing something difficult like that to try as hard as you possibly can and make sure that you are saying something worthwhile and not cheap. And also because, I guess, with a podcast, you have a sort of voluntary audience... Um, you, I don't think you need, don't need to worry so much about uh, offending people yeah. who might accidentally be listening to it because you can't really accidentally point. listen to a podcast. That's that's definitely true. So I think there is an inbuilt sense of trust with an audience if they are making the choice to 
you know, download your podcast and have that be part of their life. There's probably an, already an innate sense of trust that on the radio you may have a problem because someone might be driving along, you know, flicking through the channels and then hear jokes out of the context of trust, which is often a problem. I think a lot of cars would be crashed if the boot was on the radio and people had to face Andy's pun runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've that's been being crashed either through offence or futility. Oh, imagine how it was growing up with him. <laughs> Why do you think it is that the audience are, are so devoted to the show? Well, I think it comes down to that fact that podcasts are a, a choice. So um, people go out of their way to download it, tend to listen to it in an active way. So they're properly listening to it. Whereas I guess with a radio, you might just have it on in the background. You might be listening to it properly, but a lot of people just be doing something else. And so it's sort of drifting in and out of the background. So you tend to get uh, an audience that has found it and has committed to it. And so they become um, involved in it uh, in quite a personal way. So I think... Um, I think in general, podcasts do attract a, a fairly devoted and committed following. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I think that is a fair point. Well made. Does this show fly with uh, non-native English speakers? Um, oh, we get emails in from... Um, we get from yeah, we, it probably does in terms <laughs> of the global scope of the emails. The sometimes inexplicable destinations that people are from. Yeah. We had some from Rwanda. Yeah, yep, we've had a number. <laughs> Darfur. Darfur. Yeah. Uruguay. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Uruguay is going to be the tri <laughs> the end of that trifecta, is it? <laughs> Darfur, Rwanda and Uruguay. <laughs> Antarctica as well. I don't know what language they speak there, but someone emailed us from Antarctica. Yeah. I think they just shiver. Yeah. Andy, Yes. I get a lot of people asking whether there's a sibling rivalry between you and me because we both do podcasts. How jealous are you of me? Oh, hugely. Hugely. Um <laughs> Because mum does prefer yours. Does she? Yeah. I don't think she listens to, listen to it very often. They don't really listen to either of she us. Always, but She never much liked the stuff I've done on the radio, so maybe <laughs> podcasting is her medium. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've got various um, voodoo dolls of you, Helen, that well, you pin to the dartboard and just... Yeah, they're available from uh, my podcast merch store. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I mean, that, the merch is a very important angle of the podcast because you have this committed audience. I think the voodoo presenter doll is... Um, if, if Piers Morgan released a voodoo doll, that could be the biggest selling toy next Christmas. <laughs> How are you bankrolling this operation? Well, we were, uh, for the first four years, we were hosted and funded by um, the, the Times, uh, well, Times Online. Um, they then uh, decided to go their separate way from us uh, and... Um, <laughs> Since they when? diverted the funds into their <laughs> legal department where they were suddenly extremely badly needed. Um, since, since when we've been uh, independent and uh, funded by uh, listeners, basically. We have a voluntary subscription scheme, so people can... We wanted to try and keep the, the, the show free, uh, but at the same time, there are certain overheads um, that, that need dealing with. So um, we set up a, a subscription scheme that people could choose to... Um, uh, it's basically like higher rate taxation. It's voluntary, and in an act of philanthropy, you might choose to contribute. <laughs> you are both rolling in it as a result. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, There's course. a lot of money in I podcasting. I sleep in solid gold pajamas. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. You're both uh, stand-up comedians first. Doing a podcast, you can broadcast to a lot more people just sitting in a studio than you can gigging. No offence, Andy, but I've been to some of your gigs and I'm pretty much the <laughs> only person there. Is, is it even worth bothering uh, going outdoors to do stand-up anymore? Well, yeah, I think um, 
Well, there's a number of reasons for, for doing it. One, stand-up is fun if it's going well. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and also, you know, it helps you, I guess, kind of retain an idea of what makes people actually laugh, which I think when you're doing a, uh, a podcast recording, I mean, you're just obviously recording it on, on your own and putting it out there, it, um, I think it can help the writing process to just make sure that you're still up to speed with uh, what things actually get an active laugh. Um, so I think it can help from that point of view, and also um, you've got to earn a living, I guess. <laughs> so, because yeah. so, do you still do quite a lot of stand-up stateside? Uh, I, yeah, I do some, um, uh, but yeah, I get, it's it's. I, I don't think there's much connection there. It's primarily because you know we both love stand-up before we started doing podcasts, so it's not like there's, it's an either-or choice. Any drawbacks to doing podcasts? Um, Any drawbacks? Drawbacks. Yeah. I have to leave the house on a Friday to record it. Does that count as a drawback, or is that? A that's benefit? the point. You're not really. You're not supposed to, are you? It's, it's supposed <laughs> to be something that technology has advanced to the point where you can oh, yeah. do it easily. Yeah. We choose to do it through an arcade model. <laughs> no, it's. Uh, um, no, I, I tell you, it's the thing I've enjoyed most in my my comedy uh, comedy career. I think doing. Yeah, the, doing it's the quite, it's, There's no reason to stop doing it. That's the fun thing. Like you, you should technically be able to do it forever if you want, because it's all in under your control, and there's so little that is literally under your control doing something like this. So it will yeah, go I, on. I don't think there are any drawbacks other than the fact there is no way to monetize it <laughs> clearly yet. Which you know, so financially there's drawbacks, but who cares about that? It, it'll it'll probably go on until. One or both of John or I die in a nursing yeah. home. So, in fact, we might even... I don't know if, if, if it's hereditary, if then our children will inherit it and carry on doing the show for <laughs> generations it. to come. <laughs> John's, John's dog will take it over. 